0: of faith today because oftentimes we make prayer hard. Anybody say amen to that? I don't know about you, but anytime I try to make something better, I generally make it harder. The harder I try to pray, the more convoluted it becomes, the more confusing it becomes, the more laborious it can become. And today I say a word over you from the Lord that he says, I long your prayers to be more simple but more effective. I long for your prayers to hit the mark so that you can be, uh, eat of the fruits of them without dying under the burden of them. And today that is the heart of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for each one of us. Because the more burdensome it becomes, the less we pray. And who wins in that situation? Not you, not me, and not our relationship with the Lord. But the simpler it becomes to pray, the more hungry, the more eager we will be to approach the throne of God, of mercy, of grace, and make our petitions to the only one who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask for or imagine through Christ Jesus. Ooh, sometimes the word of God gets in you and you just start to say it and it's so good because it's the word of God. You know, oftentimes we want God to do the immeasurably more than we ask for or imagine, but we do not ask. We just hope that he will. Pastor Dan often says that we don't think prayers. We don't hope prayers. We don't write prayers down. We actually say prayers. So I'm praying that in these 21 days, we will actually confess the prayers of our heart. And today... Um, I want to begin in our 21 days of prayer with the Trinity. See, prayers are not made easy because we make them easy. They're easy because we know who to bring our prayers to. They're easy because really it is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that do all the heavy lifting. And we just need to come under them you know uh when i uh, when i grew up actually i'm still growing up anybody else still growing up anybody live under the fallacy that one day you would grow up and then as you grow up you realize this ain't never gonna happen right that's where i'm at right now i am never gonna grow up but when i was a little girl um my dad is, was an awesome dad i had a i have i didn't have he's still with us thank you lord i have an amazing dad and i used to think he was a giant Do you know that my dad is about five foot three? But when I was little, he was like, wow, he's a big guy. And my dad grew up as a wrestler. All of him and his brothers were all wrestlers. In fact, he got a full ride scholarship uh, to college uh, for wrestling because they he says all the time, I might be short, but I got good leverage so I can pivot real easy. And my dad could take down to big guys because he was all muscle, all lean, no fat. Why am I saying this about my dad? Because he needs to hear it. Hallelujah. And my dad is 75, but I bet you he could best most of y'all right now, Jacob McLeese included. Go ahead. So when we were little, my dad used to love my sister, my brother and I to tickle and wrestle with us. He loved wrestling with us. But what wrestling looked like with my dad was him grabbing us like a football, tucking us in his arm, and then all of a sudden, he would somersault, he would roll over, he would fling this way and that way, all the while, we are safely tucked in his arms, and at the very end, he would lay on his back, and we would be on his chest, and he would say, ah, you pinned me we did nothing but we got all the glory he did everything and gave it right back to us that is what our heavenly father wants to do for you and me when we come to him in prayer he wants to tuck us in and say let me do the hard work but i'll let you get the glory on the other end that is what it means to know our heavenly father But see, I had a good dad, and I still struggle with understanding the fullness of a good heavenly father. And I know there are many who have had broken relationships with fathers, broken relationships with men, or maybe completely absent relationships, which makes it all the harder to really grab a hold of what it means to have a heavenly father that is for you that stands with you, that loves you, that fights for you, that wants you to have the best. See, oftentimes, and I know for me when I was growing up, I grew up in the church and I loved the Lord my whole life. But early in my understanding of the Father, he was a good father, but he was always just slightly side-eye with me. You know, he was all like, it's, it's a good thing Jesus came, because if he wasn't here, I don't know how this would work out. And so I would come to God the Father, knowing that he was a father, but I wasn't so sure how he received me. And I had a good earthly dad. But what I have learned over the years is that I would approach God the Father from the um, Genesis chapter 3 part, If you know Genesis, in chapter 3, mankind turned their back on God. It's when sin entered the world and God had to make a separation between himself because he was holy from sin that he could not be a part of. And in my mind, that's what God, he's always got to keep a little bit of arm's length because I am not that. But if I had just gone to Genesis chapter 1, a little bit further at the beginning of time, I would have met a father that said, oh, I long for relationship with humanity such that I will make them in my image. I will give them the authority I have. I will give them the power that I have. And I will make them look like me, love like me, think like me, be like me. And I will make them and I will say they are good that's the father God I want you to know about today That doesn't negate Genesis chapter three. Sin did come into the world and there has been a breach between our heavenly father and his sons and daughters. But can I say to you, instead of God saying, well, look what you did, I'm gonna have to stay over there. What he began to do immediately was say, how do I bring them back in? How do I bring them back in? How do I bring my sons and daughters back home? Because I am holy. Oh, but I am love, and my heart is broken out of relationships. See, in that Genesis 3 moment, James Jordan says it this way, an orphan spirit was released over all of humanity. And humanity, man and woman, Adam and Eve, who knew who they were, walked with God, had no doubt that they had a good father, a good inheritance. They didn't wonder if they had the ability to do what they were called to do. But when sin came and broke that relationship, all of a sudden an orphan spirit came upon humanity that caused everyone on earth from that day forward to their identity perspective and that is why it's so hard for all of us even when we meet Jesus to sometimes get our head around how good our father is see an orphan spirit says you don't know who you are and you don't know where you came from. An orphan spirit says you have no inheritance. You got to work for it yourself. An orphan spirit says you better beg for it. Otherwise, nobody's going to do it for you if you don't do it for yourself. But a son and a daughter, a son and a daughter who knows a good father comes knowing not only who they are, They know they have a good inheritance and they know they can come again and again and again and again and again and to a mother and a father that will never say no. Today, before I go on any further to talking about prayers made easy, I want to invite us to take a moment to face that orphan spirit that doesn't mean you don't know Jesus it doesn't mean you don't love God but I will say that it is a battle that even the more you see the father every time I don't know about you maybe this is just me I go to the father and I'm like father I know you love me there's always a little thing except for if he only knew father I know that you would do anything for me except for I'm going to take care of this I've been loving the Lord for a lot of years, and I still wrestle with that thing. Why? Because it's in the soul of humanity. But Jesus came to redeem that soul and bring it back into full relationship with a loving Father today. If you in this room and online have wrestled at any point, and even now, either with understanding the full love of God the Father, or have come out of a broken relationship with your own father or something that has wounded that place in your heart, would you stand to your feet right now? I believe God wants to do business. Do not wait. Maybe you said, I've prayed this before. Do it again because this is an act of revelation that keeps getting fun. People are standing all over this place. I stand with you. I stand with you online. If you are watching, would you put your hand over your heart? In fact, everybody, if this is you, put your hand over your heart. Everyone in this room. Because I'm asking the Lord for greater revelation of the Father's love. Maybe you already know it, but do you want more? Maybe you already know he loves you, but do you wanna know the immeasurable love of God the Father? Right now, we're just gonna break off that orphan spirit in the name of Jesus, and we're gonna make ourselves available to receive through revelation, not through my words, not through my brilliance, not through our minds, but through our spirits, the love of a father. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you can do what I cannot do. You can come and meet every heart in person and online who is longing to know the love of a good, good father. Lord, I thank you that you are good all the time. Father, you created us in your image and we are the likeness of you and it is your longing that we would be in full relationship with you. I ask that even in this moment healing would come from broken places, disappointment, failures, oh God, um, from, from relationships with fathers, God, and a misunderstanding of our heavenly Father. And we declare that this orphan spirit that rests on mankind would be lifted off your people in the name of Jesus I pray the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come to know you more and the eyes of our hearts would be open to receive your love in a new and powerful way God this is not something we can earn achieve run harder take more classes of it is simply a deposit you want to make So we come open-hearted, not just open-handed, open-hearted to receive the love of a father that we can come boldly to you as sons and daughters, reinstated fully in our identity as yours. If you agree with this, would you say amen? amen and amen. Go ahead and be seated. See, I believe before prayers can be easy, we need to invite him in to make them easy because we can learn, we can talk, we can read, but until we let him do his work, it only goes so far. And I believe that this is exactly what Jesus was doing when he met with his disciples after he did the the beatitude and the mount of, of what mountain was he on the beatitudes that one? whatever, that one that my brain doesn't want to pick up right this second. And the disciples came around Jesus and they said, would you teach us how to pray? And that is where I want to kick off my message today, the next few points. I only have four short points that I hope will allow you to approach the Father so that your prayers would be made easy. And I want to kick off from Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 through 9. This is the beginning of the Lord's Prayer And the disciples say, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And he says this, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father, say father. Your father knows what you need before you ask. And he says, pray then this way, Our Father in heaven. Will you simply say our Father in heaven? Our Father in heaven. Jesus, in that one moment, it's not like the people of Israel did not know that God was father, but their perspective of him was God as father, as an authority figure, as a creator. But Jesus said, I want to introduce to you all over again a father that is up close and personal. He said, I want you to meet my father who loves deeply, who wants to be in relationship. You can actually say his name. As you know, many times they couldn't say the name God for fear of punishment. But Jesus said, don't worry about that. I want you to call him father. I want you to call him Abba. I want you to call him the one who knows me better than I know myself. And Jesus in that moment began to reinstate relationship with father God to his children. See, I believe the very first thing that happens that makes prayer easy is that when we recognize that the Father knows us better than we know ourselves. Jesus says, don't use so many words like the heathens do. Look at your neighbor and says, stop being a heathen. See, The Gentiles, the heathens, the pagans, when they wanted Baal or other gods to listen to them, they would repeat, 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 hoping, hoping, hoping that if they said it just enough times, maybe their God would do something. That same pagan belief bled into Judaism, and the Jews would had sayings that would say, the longer your prayer, the more likely you are to get heard. Jesus comes in and says, stop talking so much. Ever heard that before? He says, stop talking to so much. He already knows your hearts because he loves you from his heart. He says, just come, come not with all your words, but come with a heart that longs to know him because he already knows you and knows what you need. Then why do we pray? Because when we want to know ourselves better, we come to the one who knows us best. If I don't know myself, oftentimes they say, you know, as a counselor, when you're trying to get people to see themselves, you don't say go look in the mirror because y'all, we see some crazy things. I'm just going to say that. But you say, go talk to the people around you that really know you. Go talk to them. What do they see about you? What do you need to change? What is already good? What do you go to the people who know you and love you? Oh, beloved ones, your father knows you best. He wants you to come to him in prayer so that you can see yourself rightly, not like an orphan, but like a son and a daughter. He wants you to know your identity is secure. You are deeply rooted and grounded in love, as it says in Ephesians chapter three, and he is the love that anchors you. Jesus says, start this way. Don't say so much. Just come to a father who already knows you so that you can know yourself. David, the psalmist, who was prophetic in his writing, said it in Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you've known me. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and my ways, all my, and you are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh, Lord, you know it all together. I used to be scared of that. Anybody ever get, oh, Lord, he knows what? Every word that, oh, because there's a lot of words I don't say, but you better know I think them. With a smile on your face, you learn how to do that whole, like, shut your face up. But inside you got all kinds of thoughts. And I'm like, oh, God knows those thoughts. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, don't be mad at me. But you know what, the more you love love the father, the more you realize he knows those thoughts and he looks at you and says, Girl, I love you anyways. Come on, let's talk about those thoughts. Let's work that out. See, I used to think he would say, I know those thoughts. Go get it together and come back to me when you're done. But now he says, come here a little bit closer. Let's work out those thoughts together. He's not scared of your thoughts. He's not scared of your ways. He's not scared of your deeds. He doesn't say enough is enough. What he says is, I know you. Come, 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 come to me so you can learn the best version of yourself this side of heaven. Prayers are made easier when we go to a God who already knows us and loves us. Second way that prayers are made easy when we really know the Father is that the Father finds pleasure in hearing us pray. The father finds pleasure in hearing us pray. Proverbs 15 and eight says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. It's his joy. It is his pleasure. It is his privilege. It makes him wake up in the morning, if he ever went to sleep, with joy in his heart to hear us pray. I just want to break off that lie that says I've already asked him, I don't want to ask again. I believe it is Jesus himself who says in Matthew chapter 7, ask and keep on asking. Knock, keep on knocking. Seek, keep on seeking because the Father wants to meet. You don't quit on him. He delights in your words. You know, my nephew, who's 13, is a talker. I got two of them. I got a quiet one and a talker, right? The curly hair is the quiet, the straight hair is the talker. You would think it'd be the other way around, but it's not. When the the straight-haired Zachary was little and he learned that he had a gift of gab, it is a skill and you do learn it, that boy would never, everything that came out out of his mind came out of his mouth, all of it. Mind, mouth, mind, mouth. And I remember my sister would sometimes look at him really sweet in his face and say, buddy, I love you, but we need to be quiet for a little while. Is it okay if we just have some quiet time because he just had to say all the words. Here's the good news. Your father never asks you to be quiet. He can't get enough because your words are a delight to his heart. Do you know why? Because it means that you are engaging in relationship with him. And the more you talk to him, the more you're gonna get to know his thoughts about you and you will get to know who he is. Prayers are made easy. When we know when we come to him, it is not a drudgery, but it is a delight. He's not like, oh, here they come again. He's like, yes, they finally showed up. I'm so glad they came back again today to talk to me. Prayers are made easy when we know he knows us best, when we know he delights in our prayers, but they're also made easy when we know that the Father is good and he is eager to do good. Can you say amen to that? Psalm 119 and 68 says, the psalmist says it again, you are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes, teach me your ways. Jesus says in Matthew 7, we talked about asking and seeking and knocking. That's the invitation to come to the delight of God. But it goes on to say, if a good father, a natural father, when their child asks for bread, would he give them a stone? If he asks for fish, would he give him a scorpion? No. If a natural father gives their kids good gifts, how much more, say more, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts? Good gifts, good gifts. In another version it says, give the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you the best gift that he's gonna give you is the Holy Spirit? You're going to learn about that in a couple weeks. He gives good gifts to his children. You know, when you are a gift giver, there's no greater joy in giving a gift. How many gift givers I got in this place? You love, you know, gift giving is your love language. My mother-in-law loves giving gifts. And when she gives a good one, it's so funny. I just saw it at Christmas. She gives a good one. And when it's received, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. She'll take that gift and show everyone. Look what I gave them. Look what I gave them. Look what I gave them. They loved it. They loved it. It's such a good gift. I believe that God says, look at the way I'm blessing my kids. Look at the way I'm blessing my kids. I want the world to see the blessings I am pouring out on my church so that they would come in and also want to know me. You are celebrating the heritage of Martin Luther King on Monday the gift that he gave of his own life to our nation and to our world and to who we are even as a church. And I was reading some of his writings and he wrote in A Testament of Hope, these words, people are often surprised to learn that I am an optimist. They know how often I have been jailed, how frequently the days and nights have been filled with frustration and sorrow, how bitter and dangerous are my adversaries. They expect the experiences to harden me into a grim and desperate man. And then he says, however... They have no comprehension of the strength that comes from faith in God and man. It is possible for me to falter, but I am profoundly secure in my knowledge that God loves us, and he has not worked out a design for our failure. In essence, he says, I know that I serve and follow a good God, and though sometimes it may be hard, His plans for me, Jeremiah 29, 11, are for good, to prosper me, to give me a hope, and to give me a future in this generation and beyond. We serve a father that is good, and he does good. And I come to my last point as our worship team makes their way forward. Not only is he good... He does good because he is motivated by his great love for you and for me. He is not motivated for popularity. He is not motivated so that you will give him glory. He is not motivated so that he can outdo something else. He is motivated simply by his love for you. Why? Because he is love and can do nothing else. Well, I don't know if I trust God because, you know, sometimes, but Jesus, Jesus is, I pray to Jesus. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen my father. If you like what you see in me, the Savior of the world, wait till you see my dad. If you think what I have done blows you away, you got to know that the Father is in me and I am in my Father. And everything I have done was simply to display his deep love for you. We open with 1 John chapter 3 as our scripture. And I want to read it again today. Will you do it with me? Only I want you to put your hand on your heart. And I want you to imagine that this is being spoken over you. And where you see the word us, I want you to say me or I. All right? You ready? See what great love the Father has lavished on me. That I should be called a child of God. God, and that is what I am. Let's do it again. See what great love the Father has lavished on me that I should be called a child of God, and that is what I am. Oh, that is the truth of relationship with our Father God. He lavishes. There's no running out. It's like that chocolate fountain. No matter how many pieces of fruit you dip in the chocolate, there's more chocolate. Listen, that's a blessing of God, those chocolate fountains. That is just a tiny picture of the lavish love of God. I dip a finger in and there's more. And no matter how much of it I eat, there is more love, more love, more love, more love to be poured out to my life. When I was unlovable, he loved me. While I was yet a sinner, he sent his most precious gift, his son Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave, he gave, he gave, lavished his son that whoever would believe in him would not perish. God loved us so much that he was father of us at creation and chose to be father of us again in the regeneration and redemption through his son, Jesus Christ. Well, I hope that you enjoyed our sermon today. I hope that you were inspired and challenged, and maybe you have a question about something that you heard in the message today, or maybe you need prayer. We would love to take the time to pray with you and answer any questions that you might have. All you need to do is simply send us an email to online at newlife.global and we would love to connect with you. Well, be sure to subscribe to our channel. You should see the link right over here somewhere and turn those notifications on. That way you are notified every single time we go live on YouTube. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you on the next video. Take care.